finances create freedom and fulfillment. Mm. I'm looking at it from a business perspective and that, you know, it's all about get the money, get the money, get the money. Get the, yeah. and, and not from a greedy perspective. It's, it's more about how do you really focus on your business in order to maximize ca- cash flow. Well, that's so, how you survive. Exactly. Like, I know people get like, oh, it's, about, it's not about money. Like, well... It needs to be some about money, right? <laughs> or the lights go out, right? right? Just that we need more successful people, good ones, yeah. ones with integrity. That's just like, it blew my mind that somebody had to say that. And I think small wins are everything. Those small wins really give us the confidence to keep going. And you get that little glimpse of what the future you could look like or what a good future could look like. Right. And then you can build up on those small wins. All right. So uh, here we are. We are at the Badass Business Summit. And welcome to another episode of the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. The first episode in a long time where I'm not grilling. So I'm sorry to disappoint. If anybody wants to pull some DoorDash in here. We can we can stay on theme. Otherwise, uh, so I've got a bunch of people in here. Uh, was super fortunate to give a talk today and um, just had a good time. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I invited anybody that wanted to come over and sit and uh, watch us do a podcast and join in. So I've got my new friend Lauren here, who's with the Badass Business Summit. So there yeah. you go, everybody there wave. Yep. There we go. Make some noise for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. There's our audience. Yeah. Okay. So, Lauren, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, native of Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Who day? Go Bengals. Go Bengals. Go Reds. Go FC Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, all, the, all the boxes all, checked. All the boxes okay. checked. Uh, former athlete turned HR professional turned corporate dropout turned supporting everybody to put a little bit more you in your own life Ooh. to maximize your potential. And uh, essentially the Ryan Seacrest of the Badass Business Summit. <laughs> yes, so, that like, I am. Yeah. Like, like so – there's been uh, just a lot of really cool conversations here. I can't believe how many smart people yeah. are, are here speaking. Um, you know, you don't have to talk about my, my talk. Okay. But, like, what, what, give me some stuff you've learned. Like, there's been yeah. so much good knowledge spit up here. Like, give me some nuggets. It, it is, and it takes a little bit of time to download. What really stuck with me was uh, one of the things from yesterday when Jerry McNamara spoke. Yes. And it was uh, finances create freedom and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And looking at it from a business perspective and that, you know, it's all about get the money, get the money, get the money. Get the, yeah. and, and not from a greedy perspective. It's, it's more about how do you really focus on your business in order to maximize ca- cash flow? Well, that's so, how you survive. Exactly. Like I know people get like, oh, it's about it's not about money. Like, well, you, it needs to be some about money. Right. <laughs> or the lights go out. Right? right. Right. But he also infused starting with the passion and the purpose. And when you find that, that's when you can really start honing in on the business mm-hmm. and maximizing cash flow in order to reinvest and maximize that even from a dip, even from a more elevated perspective. Yeah. And Jerry gave his talk barefoot, which I honestly didn't pick up on until like 10. That's how good he was talking. And like until 10 minutes in, I was like, oh, he's a dude's not wearing shoes. Um, but he had something that I had never heard before, but I immediately was texting my some of my guys. Yeah. It was the mafia offer. Mm-hmm. Right, which is uh, your product either needs to be twice as good as your competition or half the price. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, 
I like texting my because I've been like saying that not as elegantly as that in a while. I'm like, did you? I'm taking pictures of his of his slides because it was it was just so good. And it's like, you know, I'm right in the middle of looking at some product lines and trying to figure out like how to price them and how to position them and everything else. And that was just such a, a clarifying statement. Like things are so much easier if you're twice as good or half the price, mm-hmm. right? Can't yeah. be. You can't be. Well, you shouldn't be both, right? But you but you also can't be somewhere in the middle, or you're going to struggle. Yeah. And it gives you um, leverage in order to focus, right? That was the other thing that we've talked about. It's like just focus on the one thing that's really going to drive yeah. your business. Yeah, yeah. Who who out here, anybody else want to say something like that they, they heard that was a good nugget, right? Yeah, focus on the people that were around you. Yeah, I mean – that, a couple of people t- touched on that, and, and we, we talked a little bit about it in the, the CEO panel yesterday, but like the people that you put around you, mm-hmm. um, your team, the people that you hire, the people that you decide to work with as contractors and things, that's going to make or break your business. Mm-hmm. It really is. And I, I think it's easy, especially like there's a lot of people here that are um, like solopreneurs mm-hmm. and, or, or people that have, you know, they're a single team, single person team, or they've got one or two people. And so it's easy to manage your culture and your team when it's two or three people. It gets harder and harder, you know, HR, right? Yeah. As you get bigger. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important, even as a solopreneur, to define your own values or the values that you know you want to grow into as an organization. Because that only makes it easier so that when you start to actually hire someone, you're not going back and be like, wait, what is it that I stand for? How do I do this? Because then it's rooted in terms of what is really important to you. And then as you go hire someone, you can infuse that back into them and ensure that it's reflected in them, but then allowing them to do it in their own way. I think that's where the magic really comes from. Yeah, we did talk a lot about magic this yeah. week too. We've had the magic is the magic can kick in in a lot of different ways. Um, I also enjoyed the sales panel today. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like, uh, you know, if you're if you're if you're getting into business and you don't believe that everybody in your organization is in is in sales, uh, I mean, they just are, and that yeah. that doesn't mean that everybody has a quota, but it means that like everybody in your organization should be expected Mm -hmm. to be able to meet somebody at the grocery store and tell your, you know, tell them what you do and why they should, you know, use your, your business. And I don't think, um, I just, this is like a rant that I could get on. I don't think culturally, uh, the, the sales profession gets enough respect. Yeah. I think, you know, you have all these people that are trying to teach you these, you know, we go to school, like, why is there, why can I not go to college and major in sales? Because that's the easiest thing to take somebody and teach them some skills and they can make a great living yep. for themselves, a great living for themselves. And it's applicable to literally everything you can think of. Right. Right. And yet there's this car salesman sort of like icky. Ew, I don't I don't want sales. I don't want to. But it's like it's an important part of the business process. And let me tell you, if you suck at sales. Like if your business can't sell, it doesn't matter how good you are. You're you're in trouble. Yeah. What I really took from that in terms of those who can struggle with sales is like sales is really just about helping someone make a decision. Right. Whether you're the one that can help them with whatever they need or not. And the no is okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that unlocked something for me early in my career when I when I realized that like it's not selling. It's just trying to figure out yeah. if I can help them. Yeah. And if you just position it that way, like, hey, I want, I'd love to be able to help you. Maybe I can't, right? Yeah. And if you sort of th- – there's some magic in – there's that word again. Then <laughs> that if you sort of say, you know, I, listen, I don't actually know if we can do business together. Then people kind of start leaning in. There. What do you mean? You know? What do you mean? <laughs> like, why can't I work with you, right? Yeah. But it's true. And I think it puts people – 
it tears their defenses down yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah, it's that idea of disqualifying someone versus qualifying them, right? Being able to walk in and say, hey, this may not necessarily be the right relationship for me as an organization right. or a business or a salesperson. I'm going to do a little bit of investigating and understanding, are you the one to partner with? That's yeah. the best option. There's a there's a healthcare tech company that you guys may have heard of called Epic Systems mm-hmm. that uh, just amazing company. Amazing. Yeah. Ama- I forget her name, the, the lady that founded it. She's one of like... Forbes billionaires and she's like it's amazing anyway incredible company and they and that's kind of their culture is when they're out selling you know they'll sort of talk to a hospital system and go "Ah, I mean I'm not sure if you guys are a good fit for us and they'll be Mm -hmm. like what do you mean like I want you know because they have this reputation of having the best software and all this other stuff um so, I mean, it's just been a great conference. I didn't really know what I was getting into, getting into this, by the way. Like, Donnie Bovine, hello. Yeah. Like, you never know. I swear, I'm following him down a rabbit hole. But it's just been um, super enlightening. I'm glad, you know, it's been several days, but this has been not only, like, a lot of insightful stuff, but, like, the community and mm-hmm. the connections that we've everybody's made. Like, I've gotten, like, my inbox and LinkedIn yeah. is flooded with, like, all these people. And I actually know them this time. Like, how many people have a LinkedIn inbox filled with knuckleheads this connecting and being like, I would love to, you know, or the worst is like, I'm growing my professional network. And I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're spamming is what you're doing. Right. Cause yeah. I don't know you. And unless there's some valuable way reason that we're going to connect, like, why would I? Yeah. Anyways. Or the worst over. where they make a presumption about what you are and who you are and then try to pitch you before they even have said one word to you. Yeah. That's the worst. Cold emails are an art. Yeah. And I, I, when people like, you know, we started talking about tactical stuff. Like when you, I I got one the other day and I wanted, I wanted to stop reading it, but I was fascinated at how bad it was. (laughs) And so it was like, Mr. Morgan, okay, I know your time is valuable. And this is a, and if you would just give us five minutes, we will send you a Yeti Tumblr and it would be, we'd be just so grateful. I'm like, dude, what, why are you emailing me? (laughs) Like get to the point. And then, you know, archive and like never. So if you're out talking to people, yeah. one of the things I always told people is never thank somebody for their time. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard somebody say that, but I know that's coming from a good place. But you, you don't, if you thank somebody for their time, you're insinuating that their time is more valuable than yours. Mm. And you have something important to tell them. And so when you it, replace that statement, thank you for your time with a, an equally polite statement like, I'm so excited to be here, right? Or I'm so excited to talk to you. Mm-hmm. That's such a, but it doesn't lower you. And you see salespeople come in and they're like, oh my God, thank you for your time. I know you're busy and an hour of your time is valuable. And then, and then they sort of, you're sort of elevating this person to be like, yes, <laughs> come on, lay your goods on the table and I will decide. You know, like that's, it's just, it's just, you got it. You have to walk in the room like, they are just as fortunate to be talking to you as yeah. you are to them because yeah. you might be able to solve a valuable problem. Yeah. And, and it reminded me of something that Donnie said this morning. It's like you owe it to yourself to level up. Yeah. Oh, and, I love that. And honoring your own value because you bring something to the table too. Yeah. They should be just as grateful or thankful or appreciative of being able to learn something from yeah. you simply from that conversation. Yeah. Anybody out here uh, ever get emails like that where you're just like, please. And I know I get, maybe they work. I guess they wouldn't do it if they, I, that's not true. I don't think they work that well. I yeah. think people just don't know what else to do. Well, oh, go ahead. Yeah. You said you still had to keep reading yours, right? Yeah. So I did have to keep reading it. Yeah. You're talking about it now. So I mean, it, it did something. 
Well, I don't know what they were selling. That's so. So it. Uh, I can't tell you. Yeah. So you're saying he was saying like, yeah. Well, it did something. You're still talking about. It's it like I. I don't know what they were selling. I, you know, archived it because it was just the technique was bad. And um, you know, the truth is like, cold emails and cold calls mm-hmm. and cold interactions. You have to understand that we are so inundated mm-hmm. with that shit. Yes. That. Um, Everybody is immediately up like this. And so you've just got to find a way. It's called, they call it like pattern break, right? Mm-hmm. You have to find a way to do it differently or say something differently or approach it differently so that someone like clicks off of the, I've, I've tuned, the, I've hit the mute button already. Yeah. And, you know, and that could be, could be a lot of things. It could be, it could be, I send you a thing. Hey, can I ask you a question? Yes. Yeah. Right. Or can it, can, can I get your advice on something? Uh, yeah. And then you somehow weave that into. Yeah. What you're talking about, hey, I was looking, does this make sense because I'm trying to, I'm talking to people that may have this problem and I don't know, like there's just different ways to approach it. Yeah, I think one that's been very valuable for me is like, hey, I saw in your post that you were talking about X, Y, and Z. What, what, what brought you to say that or what led you to say that? And you're like, oh, yeah, well, okay, well, you're going to pick my brain. All right. Yeah. I Whether mean, you care or not, you, you pulled me in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and it's... um Again, it's all about listening. Like I yeah. said that earlier, like you got the, the two ears and one mouth for yep. a reason, right? I mean, you, if you have a 10-minute conversation with somebody and they talk about themselves for nine minutes and you talk for one minute, they are going to walk away walk away thinking they subconsciously been like, I like that guy. That was <laughs> – I didn't say anything, right? I mean, but they but they had – like they feel connected because they – they it's so often in, in society that – People want to talk and they don't want to hear you says the guy that's talking like crazy right now. But like, (laughs) um, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's all about like sales is about connecting with people. And at the end of the day, it's about getting people to believe you. Yep. Right. And they won't believe you unless they feel heard. They won't believe you unless they're not automatically tuning you out because you look like every other idiot that walked Mm -hmm. in trying to convince them something. Yeah. Uh, one tactic that I've found to be very helpful is that when someone is talking for nine minutes and you're the one talking for one, you've either asked them additional questions or you've restated or validated or acknowledged what they said. That is a mind blower for people. Yeah. Like, oh my God, you just, you, you hurt. Wow. How did you put that into words? I was like, simple tactic. I'm just <laughs> using your words yeah. back at you. Yeah. And most people sure. don't realize that. Yeah. Uh, who else? Anybody got any other nuggets they learned today that they are, are this whole time they want to talk about? Yes, ma'am. I'll repeat it in here. Don't worry. Well, hey, let me do this. Let me pause. Can we get, let's get her up here. Yeah, absolutely. And let her ask it. Cause I think this would be a good, yeah, go ahead. Be a good question. Come on up. I'm Lori Piper. Yeah, Inner Lori. joy coach. Inner joy coach. Yeah. The, possibly the best job title here. Okay. I- <laughs> like <laughs> for real. You. Okay. Thank you. So go ahead. Ask your question. So everybody has inner joy and I believe everybody should learn how to unleash it. Mm-hmm. So I struggle charging for it but and it might have been you that said it I, my, my mind is blown at okay. this point but someone on stage said we need and was you we need more successful people good ones and the first uh first day i was working with bob you know bob i love oh, him yeah, yeah. And uh, he was he was asking me all kinds of questions, and he said, "So you have integrity, right?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, I'm a coach. I I help people with their lives. Of course, I'm I have integrity." And later in in the session in, in the um, weekend, uh, someone was saying something like, "Coaches, they know a lot of coaches that don't have integrity." Mm. I was blown away. So 
just that we need more successful people, good ones, yeah. ones with integrity. That's just like, it blew my mind that somebody had to say that. Yeah, but I, so thank you for saying that. I mean, I think, um, by the way, that was spontaneous. Like, I didn't have that written <laughs> into the speech. It was just kind of like um, something that I felt like I needed to say because I think it. when you start talking about why you do what you do, um, I think culturally – we're in a weird place where um, you almost have to apologize for success. Like yes. it's it's really not cool to have done really well, and everyone makes an assumption. Like if you're a successful person, there is an assumption that you probably shank somebody on the way up, right? <laughs> and um, I'm I'm by the way, it's 2023. I'm shank free. Like I have not. <laughs> okay, and I think. Um, yeah, there's still time. But I think it's it's important to like the world needs good people that have the ability to help others, and yes. you can't friggin' help somebody if you haven't even helped yourself yet. I right. mean, just like people who are drowning can't save other people who are drowning. Right. You know, you can't. You have to. I mean, and it's not to say that like you have to be this perfect finished product to help. Absolutely not. Like thank goodness. Least, thank good. Thank goodness. <laughs> right. But. Like, if there's a charity in need, or if there's a if there's a person that needs a help, or they need a job, or they need whatever, if you haven't built something that puts you in a position to help that person, you, you can't, right? right? And I mean, but it's and that's I think probably the most rewarding thing about sort of my journey was having the ability to give people a chance, right? I mean, we we had hundreds and hundreds of people working for us, and I just loved. Um, Having a, you know, seeing somebody who was hungry and wanted a job and wanted a chance and being able to be like, okay, yeah, you got it. And I'm going to show you what I need from you and I'm going to coach you up. And like, and some, and it's some of them, they thrive, right? Yeah. And it's so rewarding to watch that. And then other people, um, I think that was probably the hardest thing for me in running a business was, was learning that everybody, that I wanted to to thrive with me wasn't going to and yeah. feeling um, responsible for their failure um, when it's it, tough. when it, it's tough, right? I mean, yeah. you, you have to, you sort of think like, gosh, you know, realizing that everybody that's there with you at the beginning is not necessarily there with you the whole time. And I, that, that was a, that was a super hard lesson to learn because yeah. I had, you know, when we were at this like, motley little startup and we had like 10 or 12 people and we're like, you know, eating, eating Domino's pizza and working through the night and whatever. <laughs> like the first time that I had to let one of those people go because they, they had done something. I was devastated. It's heartbreaking. Like, I, I was, I, but you know, we just had no choice and, and it was a difficult thing. And I, you know, you get, you get, as you get older and you get more experience, you realize that at that people management part, picking the right people and then managing the right people through culture and whatnot uh, makes it, that's how you can be successful. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you, I got to a place where um, I felt like if somebody got terminated, they shouldn't, it should never be a surprise. It just shouldn't. Right. Hello, but, HR. You feel the same way? Yeah. It just shouldn't be. No one right. should ever be shocked. Right. Right. Because you should have been explaining to them, unless it's unless it's like yes. a reduction in force and you got to cut twenty percent of the people. And those are like, right. What's yeah. that? Or egregious. Or yeah. Or egregious. Yeah. Out of the yeah. Okay. <laughs> but um, you know, in those situations, like 
I think you should have set the expectation for them and they should know they're coming up short. Right. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what leaders do. Yeah. Right. So inner joy coach. Yes. I want to I get to that for a second. Tell, tell me that's so fascinating. So tell me what exactly it is that you do. I, I'm, well, I'm going to tell you what I do by complimenting you on your story oh, wow. Thank you. because twice he said, I don't know what it was. But I had this feeling too often, and I think it's especially, you know, women, um, we're always looking at what we're supposed to be, what we're, you know, what's expected of us, even though it feels icky. Mm. When you said that, I, I started crying because I'm like, can I say, damn it? You can. I can. <laughs> Permission granted. I'm like. There's literally the word ass. I'm like, oh, here. that's true. So. Well, it's not really. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a okay. helmet. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. And I'm like, damn it. You get it. Jared gets it. We have to tap into our bodies and ask the question, does this feel right for me? It might be right for you or you, but if it doesn't feel right for me, then the answer is no, or maybe even a hell no. And I thought, damn it, I have learned when I could say what I wanted unapologetically and without explaining what, why. Because that's the thing when, when, you know, you say, no, I really don't want to do that. Why? Does it matter why? I mean, I I, I just don't want to do that. It's your choice, yeah. Yeah. So... What I do as an inner joy coach, the only way you're going to find your joy in life is when you are listening to your gut, your heart, your soul. Hmm. It's the only way you're going to find your inner joy. And that's what I want to help. Well, I'd love to have everybody do that. <laughs> but my, you know, my target market is women because, you know, I can, I, I can relate to what women go through and, and the expectations um, especially in corporate America, I was in corporate America doing, feeling like I have to do more than a man in order to get any recognition. And can I tell when, you can cuss, when, you can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> You're rolling. When I was in corporate, so I was a, a software engineer and so I'm smart and I, Honestly, there are a lot of men doing what I did that would spout, you know, all oh, this is what you do. This is what you do. And I'm like, no, you don't. That's really not the way it works. Right. But anyway, we'd be in these meetings and um, I would give a suggestion. And our, our uh, branch manager, he would just like totally, you know, poo-poo what I said. Yeah. Five minutes later, one of the guys would say the exact same thing. And everybody's like, yay. I'm like, seriously? Am I not in this room? So I want women to be seen and heard. That's you know what's what so want. cool about that story? By the way, thank you for sharing oh. that. That's like, you know what's so cool about that story? I have not. I'm, as, a, as, a, <laughs> as a big old white male, like, I've definitely <laughs> not had that experience, right? But I've had my own experiences yeah. where I felt like I can't uh, get a seat at the table because I was in a group of people. When I worked at the construction company, I was in a group of like super rednecks. And so me being tech boy put me as like this weird. It was such a weird 
what a weird way to be an outsider, right? But they were like, come on, computer boy, you know, like. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> put it on your Palm Pilot, computer boy. What beer are you drinking there, computer boy? Anyway, and <laughs> and then in other, in other times, like when I'd be in academia, like I would find myself getting sort of pushed aside because I was some big old mm-hmm. dumb redneck, right? And so um, what I love about your story and what you did and I, I encourage anybody that feels like they're in a place where they're like an outsider and they're not being treated fairly. If you can't get a seat at the table, you have to build your own table. Right. Mm, and that's like what you that. did. I like that. Yeah. So now you're yeah. your own coach. You're yes. making your own rules and yes. you're telling people this. And there is literally nobody standing in your way going, that's not right. Right. Cause you're an inner joy coach and you're, right. you have set your own criteria. You made yes. your own table. Yes. And what I love about it is, there are people who call me Joy, even though my name is Lori. And then they apologize. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I love it. If you look at me and think Joy, I'm doing my job. Yeah. Yeah. You so. said something a second ago where, when you first sat down that you have a hard time charging for stuff. Is that a... Um, yeah, it is a, uh, it, it is a problem for me um, because I know people who could thrive with what I have to offer, but they can't pay for it. Mm. So I need to figure a way that, you know, I can do like volunteer or something like, you know, and maybe it's just on what I post on social media, you know, and just, but that's what I struggle with. I'm like, I really want to help these people because, and I know they don't have the money. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so if you guys are familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Gary V, he has a philosophy where he gives, 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 like he has so much crap that he gives out for free, his advice, his tactics. You can go on his website, download stuff for free. And his philosophy on that is like, he's going to give, 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 give. And then there's going to be a moment where he asks for something back. And there's this like sea of people that can't wait to do. Yes. I love that. Hey man, would you subscribe to this thing? Or I'm putting this book out. Would you guys all pick up a copy that would, and they've, and you've given them 25 things. And so they're like, heck yeah, I'm going to do that. So I I don't know. Maybe you need to think about the way that people pay for you Mm -hmm. and maybe because I feel, I feel what you're saying. Like you don't want to hold the joy back <laughs> until they pay nine ninety nine, right? You want the no extra joy. joy package, or you want the, you know, like <laughs> two for one. But I think there's, but there's definitely a way for you to be abundantly helping people like that. Yeah. But then have structures that, whether they're books or seminars or things that they, if they want to go to the next level, mm-hmm. like that's that's where you can collect. And I, I mean. I'm already like you're you're just radiating happiness, right? I love I love <laughs> it. You. And I, I think more I think more people mm-hmm. should hear about that. Don't you guys? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else have a question? Yes, Krista? Yeah, come on up. Thanks for taking your tissue. <laughs> I want to share the joy. Okay. okay. <laughs> so let's hear it. What you got? Krista, tell tell us who you are real quick. Hi, I, I am Krista Tipton. I am an inventor and social worker in nice. that order right now. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I wanted to say that there was something that you said that was very powerful to me. Okay. When you were telling your story and how you were appro- – that one of your competitors was mindset. Yes. 
And I hadn't really heard that before, like the mindset of others. And then I also thought about the mindset of myself. And your talk was called Progress Over Perfection. And I hear that a lot. But there's something that you said. You said, foolproof is not the standard. Right. And I thought, "Mm, that's the standard that I'm holding myself to with my products and services and moving forward and helping people. I'm holding myself. Oh, is this in the way? Oh, so you can see my face. That's okay. (laughs) Thank you. So you can see my face. That's good. Um, I was holding myself to foolproof as the standard. And when you, when you laid it out that what are the questions that people are saying that the status quo has and what we, how accountable we hold the status quo, holding myself accountable in a different way or more perfectionistic is getting in my way. Yeah. I th- so, and thank you for sharing that, by the way. I, I think that it's so easy. We're our own worst critic, right? Mm-hmm. We are. And, and so you sit there and you go, you look at somebody else's thing and you think, ah, oh, that's so great. I wish I could be that great. And, the, and the, so the reason that I call the podcast Slow Smoked Business uh, is not just because I'm a, like a goofball that wants to grill out while I'm – but if you look at barbecue as an analogy, people think of barbecue and they, they, they see a plate of finished product, mm-hmm. right? A brisket, ribs, whatever, and it's this beautiful finished thing and you – Unless you've done it before, you don't. You tend to not understand that there's this huge, long process that cannot be rushed, right? To create that, and I think business and success in that thing is is a it's just a great analogy because it's so easy for us to look across the room and look at a plate of barbecue and go, "Damn, man, I want to make barbecue like that," mm-hmm. but not understand that it's a slow process that somebody probably did. Hundreds of times. I, when when we went to a barbecue restaurant last night, I asked if we could see the 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 pitmaster, and he came out and he talked to us, and I was like geeking out for like an hour. This guy, he was amazing. This guy has barbecued hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, all sorts of different things. And so I'm looking, he's showing me on his phone pictures of briskets that he's done. And I'm going, wow. You know, and I, (laughs) if you scroll through slow smoke business, you've never seen brisket. Okay. Because Mm -hmm. I don't, I can't, I'm not good at it yet, Mm -hmm. but it's easy for me to look at him and go, I'm not, why am I not that good? And not understanding that like we're on a journey, right? And he's been on this journey and he's worked at it and it's not fair for me to compare myself to somebody else, because I, the, the only thing I got to be comparing myself to is my own self and see if I can get, you know, I don't know where I saw it the first time, but somebody had a sign on the wall that said better than yesterday. Hmm. Right. And if you could just focus on being better than yesterday, don't try to boil the ocean. Don't try to be the best thing you can possibly be. Just be better than yesterday. And then tomorrow be better than yesterday. Right. And you're not always going to be, but if you just keep that mindset of stacking little wins, mm-hmm. man, a 1%, there's a reason why, you know, 8% growth doesn't sound like a whole lot. But if you if you have something in the stock market and inconsistently grows 8% over a long period of time, you have a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? And I think, you know, success is the same way. Little stacking little wins like that really helps. I absolutely believe that. And I think small wins are everything. 
those small wins really give us the confidence to keep going. And you get that little glimpse of what the future you could look like or what a good future could look like. Right. And then you can build up on those small wins. So I think it's an incredibly important idea. I think people, I mean, so the Proctor U story where we're watching people take tests over a webcam and people will, when I tell people that story, a lot of people will say like, gosh, one, they'll say, I wish I had that idea. And I'm like, what would you have done if you had it? Like, I, I have an idea to cure cancer. I can't do it, right? right. Um, but they also just don't understand that it was just like a, a, it was just years of, of conquering little mini battles. Mm-hmm. An example of that was when we first started, you have to interact with a person. Well, if I ask you to take a test, what, tell you, what time are you want to take your test? You're going to say on the hour or the 30-minute mark because that's human nature. I'm gonna, I'll take it at 130. I'll take it at – you're never going to say 120, right? Well, the problem with that is as we got bigger and bigger and bigger – Everybody wanted to take, we had these giant waves at the same mm-hmm. time and th- we struggled to staff for that. And so we had to build this algorithm that when you would come in, it would give you 220 and then you would come in and it would give you 230 and then the next person would come in and give them 215 and then somebody else gets 220 again and it would just go boop, 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 boop like that. Now, there's literally a million problems and techniques that it takes to build this giant thing that Measure Learning Proctor U is now. But that's kind of how you do it is you have these little wins, these little battles that you got to fight and then you conquer that. And then guess what? Here comes another one and here comes another one. And sometimes 10 of them are coming at once, but it's just that little, those little wins like that over and over and over that you've dust yourself off at some point and you look and you go, holy shit, like we're way further down the road than we could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, extremely powerful. I, and I appreciate that you brought up the when of things, the human nature of when we time things. You know, uh, Kim Laughlin was talking earlier about hating. Um, don't you enjoy Mondays? And if not, why? <laughs> and you mentioned Daniel Pink and his different books. And then when it talks about, you know, when we're most likely to quit, it's Mondays, our birthdays, our anniversaries. There's something like about 80 different starting over points throughout the year. Mm. And how we approach each one. And sometimes I think leading back to the small wins, being able to bring those small wins to that Monday again and restart the process, right? We have a responsibility to be successful. If you have the, if you're a good person and you're going to do good things in the world and you're going to be one of the ones that God can count on, like you have a responsibility to be successful because not everybody can be. And there's going to be you know, we have to try to be strong for the people that can't be strong for themselves. And, you know, there's so many of you guys have got missions in here that I think like, man, that really does help people, right? It really does. And so you have a responsibility to figure this out. If you truly believe that what your mission is, is going to help people and, or you truly believe, even if it's, even if it's, it's help people, even if it's something that's just for pleasure, you're throwing parties or whatever, there's value in that. And then there's value in just the success and the ability for you to do good things for other people. You know, I like the, and I, I there's a, um, there was a book I read a long time ago called Becoming a Millionaire God's Way. And that sounds like a really hokey thing, but that's the first time I ever read the concept of the, um, the Good Samaritan and mm-hmm. how the Good Samaritan was a successful person. You can't, you can't scoop a dude up off the road and put him in a hotel for a week and pay for everything unless you have your stuff together, right? You can't. Can we hearken back to that for a second? Yeah. In a conversation that we had 
Um, we were talking about filling in those gaps. Like I said, that I'm I'm a social worker. I come mm-hmm. from that world, and formal services are so incredibly important, and they're important to be funded. But there's those gaps in the safety nets that are filled by the charities and the individuals that can be that good Samaritan and put that person in a hotel when they don't meet the criteria for other things. Yeah. And we were talking about. I thanked you as a social worker for that for that because to be able to call those resources and those people that can do what we can't do makes a huge difference in those people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for saying that. I mean, I, so when I talked about hope for autumn, um, once a week I get an email from our board of the people that we're helping. And every week it's a gut punch, you know, and so when we talk about helping people, you gotta be one of the good ones or whatever. Like every week I get a story and two or three stories in my inbox that are like little Jane has this super scary cancer. Her mother is a service industry worker and she's getting very aggressive uh, radiation treatment and she's up all night throwing up. Her mother can't work and her father left because the kid's sick. Right. Mm -hmm. And so her car's about to be repossessed and her power just got turned off. And so we'll go and we'll make a financial grant and try to save her car and everything else. And that's what this organization does. Right. But it's a reminder to me, like, not everybody's in the same situation. Mm -hmm. And there are people like that that need people like you guys, right, to be successful enough that you can come in and help them like that. And there's and this is, that's just one avenue of ways you can help. There's so many people out there that need help. And it, and that's what I would challenge all of you guys to, is to find out, like, how does your success make the world better and help other people? Because if you can feel that, in your bones, right? Then screw that competitor that's trying to knock you down or keep you from making that deal or screw that mindset in your industry that people are, nah, I'm going to push through this. Like I'm going to figure it out because of what is after that word. Just at the summer alone, I talked about your story. (laughs) You want to get on up here? Come on, come on. You're saying good stuff. Come on. Thank you. Thank you, Krista. Uh, Jamie Bonetto here in Texas, uh, retired military, retired law enforcement. Texas, Jamie. Yep. Um, so in the summit, one of the things, I mean, I've learned so much, um, and I'm not an entrepreneur. I am staying in the summit, even Keith and Donnie asked me, why are you still here? Um, I don't, because. It's bad I, for business, by the way. That's no, like, no, 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 no. I will. No, the re- and I tell them it's because it's still, it's still, I'm still helping people. I'm, in, I'm introducing people. I'm the networking guy. Yeah. Um, I don't have that dream of. of becoming a millionaire. I never have. I'm content where I'm at. Um, but I think I can help without being with money. I mean, that's, I mean, in law enforcement, it's hard because you, we did pull together our money to let that, to give a hotel room for that guy. So we didn't have to be rich to help him. Um, just that's, I guess, is part of the, the part of the giving, um, or part of the, the wins, if you will. Um, and going back to the story part, I struggled so hard and just in your deal, it wasn't something you said immediately. Um, but I realized I don't have a, a story cause I don't have any success. I don't have a, no, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I bet you have a story, man. I mean, I don't have that. I guess I don't have that. Your ex-military? Mo- I retired military, retired law enforcement. I smell a story in there somewhere. <laughs> I do. But it's not. That's, sto- a, that's a that's an admirable career, man. But it's not stories you want to tell people. Mm. That's the problem. 
Yeah, well, I think that so, part is. I probably. I think that what you just said might be the story. Yeah. I mean, you've seen things. You've you've experienced things like so. Like, I worked at the sheriff's office. Like, yeah. I, I come from a law enforcement family. Those people have to go to some dark places. Mm-hmm. And I and my brother, who's been an entrepreneur with me in, in the business, you know, he was a drug investigator, and he ended up getting out of it because he said. He it bothered him that he got so desensitized to some of those things that he was like, "Man, I shouldn't be stepping over yeah. dead bodies," and just no problem, right? But yeah. I think that's what I am still doing here is because I don't have to be a business owner. I can still say, "Hey, I know this guy who can really help you over here." Boom, connect, and then I can go to the next group and next, and that's what I'm staying in this group for because I believe in what Donnie's doing here. Um, so that's where I'm at with. So when I, I hear some, some, you know, when you say you have to be successful to be good or when you're successful, you have to have ethics and stuff. I think you have to be good. I think if you're good, you have an obligation to be, or I'm sorry, if you're successful, you have an obligation to be good. Yeah. Not that not you have to be good to become successful. I mean, it's, it's once you're there, you have an obligation, but everyone has an obligation to help each other. Yeah. If you get money on as a byproduct on the way, good on you. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. That's, I, let me say this. I, 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 you definitely have a story. And if you don't feel like it's a story that you can tell, I would probably say that it's because it's still being written. Hmm. Right. And you're here doing all this stuff and helping other people. And like, I just don't think just because it hasn't landed in some tidy little thing that you can say, let me tell you my story. It has a beginning and a middle and an end and a moral and a, a talking dog and whatever. Like it's, it's still being written. You You know? Thank you. Thank you. Well, guys, is anybody, uh, if anybody else, I, I know I don't want to keep everybody all night. This has been, uh, this has been such a, like a cool conference and a cool moment to do a, a podcast like this. So thank you guys for showing up. I appreciate you. And um, thank you very much. Thank you, Alex, uh, our producer, who is in the UK and stayed up till midnight to at his time to do this show. So thank you, Alex. And we'll see you guys next time on Source Week Business. Alex is the hero. Woo!